Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, we love Hedda Barbera. Welcome to the fantastic world of Hannah and Barbara, a celebration of Bill Hannah, Joe Barbara, and the thousands of people past and present who have shared in their entertainment tradition. And now your host, Greg Airbar. Thank you, Chris Anthony. The name Dawes Butler is in the firmament, in the stars in the heavens of great, great voice actors. And I'm about to share with you a phone call that I recently had with Chaz Butler, the son of Dawes. We started our conversation as Chaz told us about the members of his family. I am the youngest of four, so I wasn't the only son. There's three others. Okay, well, let's go through the Butler family tree. There's your mother, Murtis, right? That's correct, Murtis Martin. And then the other brothers? It's uh, Paul Dawson Butler. He's the brother just above me. Uh And then there's Donald Martin Butler, who is above Paul. And then the last is the eldest, David Timothy butler but you're charles dawson right but i'm charles allen actually charles allen okay it's paul dawson but you use chaz c-h-a-s i use chaz as a short for charles yeah my dad was charles dawson butler and he chose obviously the dawson shorted that to make it dawes and your mother murtis is really her hometown and the population. In fact, one person in particular is responsible for one of the most famous voices that your dad did, which was Huckleberry Hound. It is not... That's correct. It's not Andy Griffith. It actually predates even the cartoons. Isn't that correct? That's correct. Uh, He was in the Army at the time, and he would go on leave, and he would go to North Carolina. And my mom lived in a city called Albemarle, North Carolina. The dialect, of course, is very Southern. And this neighbor, my dad would want to see my mother, and this neighbor would snatch him, and he'd end up talking with this neighbor when he really wanted to go see my mother. (laughs) And he was, you know, he was like trapped by this guy. And he had the conversations with him, and come on, hurry up, I want to go see Murtis. And finally, you know, he'd break away and be able to go see mom. But every time he would come, this guy would snatch him 
and they'd have a conversation. And my dad was always kind of an easygoing guy, so he'd you know allow this guy to interfere. And then as the years progressed, he remembered that. He had it in his brain, and he remembered it. And when they needed a character voice for Huckleberry Hound, that just immediately flashed in his brain. Well, and that. he had done that voice for Walter Lance, and I believe for MGM. You know, in various forms. Mm-hmm. He and rough was and ready. able to alter it pretty well to not make it actually be an exact copy. Well, that was one of the things he did, that, and he emphasized that it's acting, not just funny voices. And yeah, that's ru- correct. It was always character. Reddy yeah. has a similar accent, but Reddy's tone and personality vocally is nothing like Huck's. And then there's a MGM short. Was a cartoon called Three Little Pups. Right. That was based on the Three Little Pigs. And in that, my dad used the variation of that southern voice for the wolf mm-hmm. in that particular cartoon. <laughs> you know, so there's many, many variations of that character voice that he chose to use. That's true. There was also Elroy and Augie and various little kid characters. But if you listen carefully, they sound similar, but their attitudes are different. They're not the same. How old were you when you realized your father was Dawes Butler? I mean, you know, Dawes Butler, not just dad. Yeah, when I really (laughs) knew what he did for a living. Yeah, I've had conversations with my brother Don, and he always said, you know, I didn't realize what dad was doing, and he'd leave in the morning and come back at night and i never really knew what he did for a living i guess he never really talked about it all that much and then he realized uh, hearing him down in the studio that he had at the house he realized oh that's huckleberry hound he's a voice actor for me i don't know it's a good question do you remember watching the cartoons and thinking of him or putting the two together Uh, i remember when yogi bear premiered and we had a bunch of neighbor friends, kid friends, came over to watch that. And I guess that would be the first time that, I mean, I knew of Huckleberry Hound and Rough and Ready and all of that. Then Yogi came out, and that was, I guess, when it really sparked you know, that my dad was Dawes Butler. Mm-hmm. And along that line, <laughs> he would have friends come over. And he would always ask me, Charles, what's your favorite cartoon? And I would always say something that wasn't his. <laughs> Felix the Cat, you know, or some some stupid thing. And then after a while, it just became kind of an inside joke that I would just do that. And finally, he stopped asking me after a while, you know, because I always said something that wasn't what he wanted me to say. Dawes Butler, by and large, has the reputation of being one of the kindest, nicest people who has ever been in the business. What kind of a dad was he? I would imagine he would also be... He was be... really cool. I mean, he very easygoing. We'd be punished, and we'd have to be sent to our room, whatever. And I remember one time he sent me to my room with the voice of Elroy. (laughs) (laughs) So this little kid voice is going to your room, you know. (laughs) So he was like that. On Sundays, he'd make breakfast. He was a really good gourmet chef, which I don't think a lot of people would know. 
and he would actually pour the batter in the shape of cartoon characters. Hmm. He was a very talented sketch artist, I guess you'd call it, Mm -hmm. but he was able to control the batter and make it in the shape of a character. And then, of course, as the pancake is fluffing up, it would lose that character shape after a while. But Mm -hmm. he would do sort of things like that. Did you talk to him about his... Because he had a very interesting early career being on stage a lot. Uh, He was in a comedy group. I did, actually. His early life, he was scared of public speaking. And so it was his father that urged him to try out on some of these local talent show things. My dad hemmed and hawed. He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to get up there. And eventually he did it quite a bit. And then finally, one contest, he I think he was the winner. And his father, again, now I'm named after my grandfather, so I'm named after his father, mm-hmm. uh, Charles Allen. And he urged him to see if you can go a little further, see if you can find some guys that can do things you do, but maybe a little different. And maybe you could set up a a little group and go out and actually play local clubs or whatever. And so he did that. One guy was a singer and the other guy was a really good dancer. So they combined the three talents and my dad would do the imitations of the famous actors of the day. And then the other two would do their little singing dance routines. And my grandmother, Ruth, my dad's mom, and I have them, they're in my closet as we speak, made scrapbooks, and there's Mm -hmm. two of them, of all the things that he did in his show business beginning. There are newspaper articles that go back to like the early 30s, late 20s, early 30s. Wow. And every newspaper article talks about the show And then there's a little mention of now, if you come to this show this coming weekend or whenever, you have to check out the Three Short Waves was the name of their group. And what a great name to get just just before radio comes in. So they did that and they had great reviews. Mm -hmm. They always had a really positive review of their shows Mm -hmm. and would say make sure that you go and see them don't leave early stay late and see these guys they're really great and i have pictures too of that period of them god i would have loved to have been alive at that point to see that it would have been really interesting there's no visual record of what they did but they'd be on shows with bing crosby bob hope and yeah some of the other stars of that period but those two come to mind, and I'm sure there were others that were part of the shows as well, and then they'd be close to the last performers on these shows. It's pretty cool, actually, that he got the great reviews that he got. Yeah. Never got to a number one situation, but it was worthwhile. Through that, he developed his style of marking the script, and all the things that he ended up teaching in his workshop was all developed in that early vaudeville period. One of the things that was so great about what he could do is he could take an ordinary line and make it into something just belly laugh funny. 
Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. I have an album that Hanna-Barbera produced in 65 with Adam Ant. It's called Muscle Magic, and it's about giant ants that come from outer space and terrorize a small town, and it's a very funny album, especially side one. And Dawes is playing every character except the ones that Don Messick plays, and Janet Waldo plays a couple as well. Yeah, yeah, he and Don Messick, man. I think it really started to change around... 1967-68 where they started to really get other actors to come in and do the voiceover stuff but it was originally my dad Don Messick another guy who uh, Doug Young. should be mentioned Doug, Doug Young and then the various with June Foray of course goes back Gene Vanderpile and actually she goes back to before the cartoon period when he was hooked up with Stan Freeberg mm -hmm. and they did their radio and little records that they'd come out with. She goes back to that. So that's like, I don't know, maybe four or five years before the cartoon period. A couple of examples of the Stan Freeberg stuff. There were so many. He would play the sidekick policemen they did the dragnet spoofs and when he was talking about the relish tray and right right right, you know, right, right. And, and then Stan the would be the um jack webb character mm -hmm. and my dad would be the underling sergeant and he did a wonderfully real and down-to-earth bob cratchit in the classic green christmas where stan freeberg was scrooge but he was the head of an advertising agency <laughs> And your dad was the voice of reason. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and then there was one of my favorites. I think this was on the radio show where uh, he was singing Elderly Man River. Oh, right. And, and, and he's and he, uh, <laughs> correcting Stan every three seconds. Yeah, yeah the tiny yeah. dots, the tiny the dots. Buzzer. <laughs> He was like the Gotta network sensor. Prediction. You've got <laughs> yeah. children listening to this. You forgot the G. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> there were characters that he made so much more memorable than they were on paper. Oh, definitely. Everything he did was like that. And then you got Beanie and Cecil, too. You got the puppet show in that, definitely. I should say Time for Beanie, actually. But that was yeah, the original that, title. That, that's the... I forget who the head of Channel 5 was at that point, KTLA. It was somebody a VIP who had a big name and he was in charge of hiring them to do what they were doing. And there was one day when my dad and Stan were playing around and they were uh, imitating this head guy. And that guy happened to be in the room when <laughs> they were doing that. <laughs> and he was not mad. He thought it was really great. It was a little satirical play. It's kind of an honor for them to do that. Yeah, well, exactly, definitely, and I'm sure that's how he took it, too. And we should mention the book, Dawes Butler Character's Actor, Joe Bevilacqua. Who was the, a former student of my dad's Sort of well. the historian and was mentored by Dawes, was in his classes. Yes, and is along with uh, Nancy Cartwright, mm -hmm. who was the voice of Bart Simpson. They were both studying just about the same time. Didn't you share with me once, uh, we had talked before about Nancy Cartwright was communicating with him, sending him letters, and he actually said to you, she's really got it. When they had the answer machine, my dad would leave a message when people call in, and it would be various imitations of various actors. 
And on this one particular message, my dad was doing a Cockney character. And Nancy called originally and left her message. And she actually responded to the message in a Cockney accent. That's funny. She totally mimicked what he was doing. And he always said that everybody that would call would just leave the message in their normal voice. And when I got that call from Nancy and she actually did it in Cockney, my mom and I were sitting in the house watching some TV and he comes running in and he says, I think I found my protege. They communicated a little bit more. She had graduated high school and was going to go to college and trying to figure out where she wanted to go. And then within all of that, someone said, why don't you contact Hanna-Barbera and maybe they can steer you into a some kind of thing that you could do to utilize your voices. And she did that and they gave her my dad's number. That's how that led to the responding in Cockney. And she studied for quite a while and then got her break at Hanna-Barbera. Your dad, he didn't do a lot for Disney, but he did co-write the Humphrey, you know, da-da-da-da-da, put it in the bag, bump, bump, that one. And, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, was he one of those turtles that they stepped over to get across the pond in Mary Poppins? That is correct. Okay, because it sure sounds like him. It's him. He was very proud of that. Uh, of course, uh, they didn't get any credit at the end. Well, none uh, of the cartoon voice actors, Paul Freese didn't, Marnie Nixon didn't. Yeah. There was a lot of heavy hitters and in for that. for many, many, many years, they didn't get any credit. Mel Blanc, of course, you'd always see his name attached to the Warner Brothers stuff. It took a long time for them to get revered and respected. A lot of it was because... The generation that grew up with them adored what they did and found out who they were. But in the early days of short cartoons and theaters, the reason Mel Blanc got his name on them was because they did that in lieu of a raise. And plus, he was on the Jack Benny show, so he was right, one of the Right, he was few. a live actor on top of that as well. Yeah, so people uh, knew him. I always him. tried to push my dad into doing that, but he didn't want to be in front of the camera. He always wanted to be behind the scenes. But, I love the early Huckleberry Hound, and there's a, some specific cartoons, I can't remember the titles, where it was just my dad and Don Messick. Mm -hmm. and they're not only doing the prime characters in the cartoon, they're playing all the incidental characters as well. Mm -hmm. And my dad always said, I loved doing the incidental ones because they're not going to come back again. This is the only time you're going to hear these people speak. And he loved that. He tried to do the genius side of it for those particular characters because you're not going to see them again. He loved that. He also must have been a huge movie buff because some of the people that he did imitations of, you'd have to really love movies to know that the great character actors like Charles Butterworth and Ned Sparks. Yep. You know, people don't realize that Captain Crunch was um, Charles Butterworth. To exactly. Who he was doing. And I go, who? <laughs> and Even still today, I go, who? He, well, he did some records where he and Janet Waldo was just them, or he, yeah, like you right, said, Don right, Messick was just right. them. And then let's talk about, speaking of records, the two albums that 
you love most and that he was proudest of for Cole Pitts. And those were that was Greyhound mm-hmm. and the Ghost Ship. Mm-hmm. And the other one was the Treasure of Sarah's Mattress. We quit your McGraw. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, all of the other characters you got uh, Doggy Daddy, Oggy Doggy. Snooper and, and Blabber, uh, and yeah, right, exactly. Um, uh, Snagglepuss, and, and, and they wrote Jinx. that. They both wrote that. That was why that was very special. I have to share with you that a few podcasts ago, we had a writer named John Semper uh, Jr., who is a, an accomplished animation writer, and he came along a little bit later but grew up with the same things. And he wrote for Scooby-Doo, and he wrote for oh, shows okay. that... Re- all right. You know, he re- yeah. for a lot of shows that reunited the characters, things like that. And he said, what is that album that has the Jinxie song? Oh, Jinxie Port... And I said, oh, I Ghost Ship. You know? <laughs> but oh, he said, Jinxie, I remembered that. My... <laughs> poor Jinxie, no wonder we're sad. Remembering the good times with Jinxie we've had. We realize now what our friendship meant. He wasn't all bad, just 90%. <laughs> yeah, it's something that stays with you your entire life. Isn't that something? And what's cool about those albums, too, is that on the actual animated shows they didn't mix the characters except in between the cartoons the interstitials and commercials and things like that but in their individual cartoons you didn't see one character visiting another and only in the comics and in like storybooks golden books maybe but this was before yogi's gang where they were all in That's the same interesting why they didn't do that i mean why why wouldn't you do that but I don't, know. The, I don't know, but the record, some... those are the first records where, you know, you had your dad, you had Don Messick and Doug Young doing all those characters, all interacting, and, and you're hearing them. That's the very first time, and that's that's like got to be a decade or so. It's about a decade before Yogi's Gang, so it really, really were groundbreaking. Yep, definitely. And very, very funny. We'd be able to hear him audition some of these things before they were even on the screen you know so that was really cool too yeah he didn't just walk in and just do those those were fully formed characters exactly it was so great my dad had the studio at the house you know we'd be there and he'd be in the studio doing something and my brother don mentioned he was upstairs doing his homework and my dad was downstairs I believe it was the development of Snagglepuss. And so he's hearing my father over and over again doing the character voice for Snagglepuss and doing various versions of it and then finally got what he thought was the best of it. And then on the other side of that, (laughs) just to show the other side of my dad, he would be playing a classical record and there would be a skip in it. They kept playing it over and over again, getting to the skip part. Did he just again, let it play? And my brother would say, why is he doing this? It's going to be a skip. You know, it's going to be there. Anyway, so he would do that sometimes. You mean he, he would play it and then start it over? He'd play it and then start it over again. <laughs> and it would and go to the skip. <laughs> Over and over and over. That's an interesting little thing. 
he was so funny just to keep hearing it over and over again. Did he play those albums for you that he was on? Did you listen to him as a family? The, um, the Huckleberry Hound stuff? Yeah. I don't remember the whole family listening to them, but I remember the brothers. We'd be out back and we'd listen to the stuff. When the shows would premiere, we'd be in the house and we'd invite our friends over to be there to watch it. He shared himself with other things that didn't really have much to do with what he did for a living. And he would share it with not just us, but with the neighborhood kids that we grew up with. And we would always, as a group, we would do something and my dad would be the uh, master of ceremonies, I guess you'd say. Mm -hmm. For example, he loved trick photography, so he'd bring a suitcase out to the front lawn and then all of us, my brothers and our friends, would come over and he would stop action and have each one of us get into the suitcase, uh, you know, nine, ten kids doing that. And then when you get the film developed and you run it back again, you have all of these kids climbing out of this suitcase. It's really Oh, that's clever. Cute. Very clever. So that's one of the activities that you all did together where there... He did that, and he would take us to the beach, a whole group of us. He'd take us to the local bowling alleys, and we'd go bowling. Um, the miniature golf was another one. He'd take us to all of the local miniature golf courses that used to be around. The one specifically was one that was on South La Cienega, south of Pico Boulevard. Mm -hmm. There was one there, and we would go there pretty much every weekend. Don Messick, when he'd come, his son would be with him. We'd do the same thing with him. And I just loved sharing his time. It was a really neat thing. That's another thing, too, is that I've always heard that he was the one who recommended Don Messick. Well, they actually... (laughs) Of course, now this is memory of my dad saying this when they first were here in california i don't know if they knew each other before that or if they met at a local theater but they were both doing kind of local theater things to develop and to continue working with other actors and yeah i think he met don messick through one of those and he loved what he did and he was responsible for taking don to Tex Avery and having Tex Avery do an audition and bingo, you know, you're hired. Yeah, because Bill Thompson, I guess, had gone into the service or something and Tex Avery was doing Droopy a few times, but then Don came in whenever Bill Thompson wasn't available. And he could do it. He was like the early version of Frank Welker, who came later, who could do these amazing sound effects with his voice yeah yeah do some things that my dad could not do yeah he could do very funny sound effects in fact on that album he he does the giant ants from outer space voices (laughs) (laughs) my favorite thing was the mooney moolah the mooney moolahs yeah that was him from the rough and ready show yeah, and they had a perfect musical complement to each other. Their voices went together perfectly as a team. Yep. 
Now, he also, I think, that Doug Young also came in under his recommendation. I don't know if... I believe that is true, yeah. Doggy Daddy was great, and uh, he was very talented. Did he did uh, Dingling stuff. with... Dingling and Hokey Wolf. Hokey Wolf, yeah. Yes, great combination. Yeah, the three of them, and then they started bringing in Gene Vanderpile and Julie Bennett and June Foray for some of the short cartoons because they were getting a little bit more of a budget. He was also Correct. Loopy de Loop, the first and only mm-hmm. theatrical Hanna-Barbera short character. Correct. Which we didn't get to see much as kids because you had to go to the theater to see those right. cartoons. I remember seeing, I actually did see it. I actually did see a Loopy de Loop at the theater because we would always be sent to the local theaters on Saturday. That's how I, you know, got to know all of those science fiction movies. You know, the Robinson Crusoe on Mars. Yeah, yeah. I saw that at the matinee, too. (laughs) Rocket Ship XM with Lloyd Bridges. Just some really great pre-space age, basically. They were priming us for that eventuality when the space age would really start. And we're just getting started, folks, with our interview with Chaz Butler, son of Dawes Butler. And if you tune in for our second part, you'll hear him talk about when his dad filled in for Mel Blanc on the Flintstones and many more stories. Please join us for part two of the fantastic world of Hannah and Barbara. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.